Good morning. Uh, welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and respond to God's goodness, to respond in worship. So welcome as we gather in person and welcome to those who are joining us online. We're thankful by God's spirit that we can be together as his people. And as we begin, uh, I encourage you to take a look at your order of worship. I, I want to point out um, on the inside cover is children's classes that are being offered today. And there's one note, um, the the junior high class that was going to be offered, we're going to reschedule that. So those students uh, obviously are welcome to stay in the service, or if they'd like to go down and join the children's worship class, they are welcome to do that. Um, also, um, we have another, one other thing about children's ministry is that it has been our practice to give Bibles to um, third graders. Um, and we have not done that the last year or two just because of COVID and whatever reasons. So we're restarting and kind of catching up on that. And so uh, this morning during children's worship, uh, third graders and above will be receiving a gift of a Bible from the church. If you have questions about that, uh, please let me know or uh, you can talk to Melinda as well. Also, Rob Globke has an announcement on behalf of the deacons. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to make another announcement. Will made an announcement last week about the Benevolence Fund, and I'm just going to give another reminder that the Benevolence Fund is available, and the Benevolence Fund, or often called the Deacon Fund, is a fund that's used kind of outside the general budget for the church that is used for special needs, uh, for things that come up either within the church body or within the general community, um, unexpected expenses and, and things like that. So uh, the Benevolence Fund is there to use. I will throw in a thank you. It was used throughout COVID quite a bit. Uh, so thank you for all that have given to the Benevolence Fund over the last couple years. Um, if you would like to continue giving to the Benevolence Fund, there's a special drop-down online. Uh, you could talk to Chad, you could talk to me, you could talk to Will or one of the other deacons about how to do that. And if you write a check, you can just make a note in the memo uh, for the Benevolence Fund. And if you would like to use the Benevolence Fund, uh, again, you could talk to one of the deacons, you could talk to Chad, Pastor Brian, um, and it's, it's there to be used. So we encourage you to use it. And again, thank you for those who have given to the Benevolence Fund over the last few years. Thanks, Rob. There's a note about the fund uh, in the back of your order along with the other announcements and encourage you to take a look at that. And if, if you have a need, as Rob said, or if you know of someone else who does in the church or even the neighborhood, please, uh, feel, please talk to one of the pastors or deacons. Again, all that is confidential and we're happy to help. Well, God has called us to come and to gather in his presence. And as we get ready to do, come to God and worship, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare our hearts. Call the worship today is from Psalm 96. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together? Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice for the Lord shall come as judge. Let the heavens be glad and the Declare the glory of the Lord among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice for the Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the nations be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. 
Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice, for the Lord shall come as judge. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice, for the Lord shall come as judge. I will call upon the Lord, he is worthy to be praised. My rock, my salvation, and my refuge. Though the flood may keep on rising and the sun refuse to shine, his faithfulness will never change. In my distress I cried, How long, O oh Lord, how long? Then he bowed the heavens and came Let's pray together. 
Almighty God, King of kings, faithful and true. Father, you delivered us from sin and death to be your people and to worship you. And we come and worship this morning as we always do through the, the self-giving and gracious invitation of your son. Make us aware, Father, of your abiding presence with us. And God, we pray that you would meet us wherever you find us this morning. Meet those of us who feel unfilled, who feel worn down by our work. Be our refuge, give us faith to enter your sustaining rest, despite the noise and the volume of our to-do list, despite the pressures of performance at work. Meet us with your kindness and grace and the investment and the exhaustion of being parents, being good neighbors, caring for those around us who require our time, our resources, our God-given abilities. God, we pray as well just for the continued violence in our city. We grieve the ways that death and violence continue to impact uh, our communities. And help us, Lord, help us not to be numb to the faces and the names lost, to the injustices. Father, we pray that you would meet, you would be near the families of lost loved ones in their sorrow. And may your people, the, the church, be a presence of comfort and love, be a, a presence of justice and hope, to bear witness to your goodness against the grip of death and the ways that you bring new life. Lord, we pray we meet that you would meet us in these places, and we pray with you would meet us with your wonderful surprise and grace, full of rest and life. We pray this all in the name of Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. Melinda is in the back, and she'll greet them. Well, we turn now to our time of confession, the time where we acknowledge honestly and openly with God our sin and our need of him. We'll do this together as a church community and have a time of personal, quiet confession. Almighty God, you watch over the weary with loving kindness. You'll promise that in Christ you will faithfully bring forth justice, never breaking a bruised reed and never snuffing out a faintly burning wick. Gracious and gentle Father, we confess to you that we sometimes grow weary of struggling to follow you in this world. We feel powerless to change the injustice around us and the injustice within our own hearts. Grant us rest and give us courage to trust in you and not despair. Amen.
please take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we confess our sin, knowing that Jesus, who was rich in glory, became poor for our sake, so that in him we, we might become rich in mercy and grace. So we give thanks in his name. Amen. We'll ascend to hear the words of assurance that come to us from or Ephesians chapter 1. Let's, let's join together. In Christ we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. As we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ.
seated. The New Testament lesson is from Acts 16, 9 to 15. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. The Gospel lesson is from John 14, 23 to 29. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Natalie, for reading from God's Word, and thankful for a chance to worship with you and look at uh, Revelation as we've been doing, and we're going to continue our series on the study of titles given to Jesus in this last book of the New Testament. Maybe as a way to start or help us to kind of re-enter in, uh, to remind us of the context that Revelation has three main parts. There's an opening, a, a long middle section, and a conclusion. The opening tells us that John is the author and that he's writing from the island of Patmos where he's been exiled due to his faith in Christ. We also learn Revelation is addressed to seven churches in Asia, and these churches are located in prominent cities in the Roman Empire. And it's important for us to, to remember, to kind of enter in to their experience that everywhere that these early Christians looked, everything they heard would have told them that Rome is in control. If you want to know what success looks like, look at the Roman culture. If you want to know kind of what the right path is, look at what's happening here. The path of Jesus was foolishness. As we might imagine, these Christians were discouraged and under pressure. And it's the midst of social and economic pressures that revelation came as a gift to them and to us. I've been saying this, and I'll say it probably each Sunday we look at this, that revelation is not primarily about formulas or timetables, about figuring out the, the last day. Rather, it's a gift of a new alternative vision of how the world is and will be, of what is true and what will last. 
using all types of symbols and images and poetic language. In various ways, the visions proclaim to us that Jesus, the fool who was executed on a Roman cross, is the resurrected one, the victorious one, the one who will vindicate his people. And such a vision disrupts the narrative that Rome was in control, that life is found in social or economic prosperity. Such a vision invites you and me to patiently endure in our faith, to hold on to the testimony of Jesus. So in that context, the, today we're going to look at a vision that comes at the end of the long middle section of the book, and it's a vision of the wedding supper or the wedding feast of the Lamb, which is the primary name given to Jesus in Revelation, that he is the Lamb. And there's a lot going on in this vision, you'll see, but there's two main truths that I hope us, we can see, two truths that disrupt the common narrative to invite us to a new way of seeing. Evil, evil will not last forever, and that the final word in our lives and in all creation belongs to Jesus. Before I read our passage, though, I should say one note, just a reminder, Revelation uses all types of images and symbols to give us these visions, but we are not to take them as a literal sense of what is happening. For example, a sword will not come out of Jesus' mouth, but rather it's an image. And it's important to say that because our passage is full of military images, and the church has made this mistake before, but we are not invited to take up arms Rather, the images all point to Jesus' victory over evil, over violence, and over oppression. So let's look at our passage from Revelation 19, verse 6 through 21. You can follow in your order of worship or in your Bible, or just listen as I read. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. 
This is God's word given for our good. Well, as I said, there's a lot going on in this vision, and we can't touch on everything, but I want us to receive or hear two truths that God gives us. First, that evil will not last forever, and the final word of our lives of creation belongs to Jesus. So let's start talking about evil and not lasting forever. There are a number of places in Revelation where God's people sing hallelujah. One such place, uh, a little earlier than our passage, is the destruction of Babylon. Babylon was this symbolic city of the world that exploits, uses, sets economic gain above all else, offers and chases false gods. This city is destroyed, and the great multitude of heaven cries out, Hallelujah, God be praised. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. Such a celebration echoes Israel at the Red Sea. Maybe you remember that story that by God's power they had come out of Egypt, they had passed through the sea on dry land, but the Egyptian army had been drowned by the waters. And Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron, lead God's people in song of celebration. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The sea, they see the waters crush the pursuing army, and they praise God's judgments. I don't know how you hear these. It's possible that such scenes may strike us as strange or uncomfortable. Why celebrate? Why sing about judgment? Or we could ask, why is judgment a central part of God's story and promise? Why is it at the heart of this vision and revelation? I want us to think for a moment about some recent things. You can think for a moment about Ukraine. While there is a great struggle and seriousness, surely they rejoice when Russian soldiers are pushed back. Surely they will shout, Hallelujah, God be praised on the day the invasion is stopped. Or we can think of the story of Larry Nazar. For 18 years, Nazar was the team doctor of the U.S. women's gymnastics team. And with this access, he abused hundreds of girls and young women. And after many years of cover-up by those in power, he was brought to trial. And as part of the hearing, the victims were allowed to speak their words to him in court. He was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. And while there was much pain and sorrow for what had been experienced, surely there were also shouts of hallelujah. Such judgments are true and right. Maybe today we can think of ourselves or those connected to us who have been sinned against, mistreated or abused. We can ask, will such evil and wrong be named and addressed. Revelation also invites us to see death itself as our enemy. Jesus faced this oppressive force on our behalf, and now he is called the one who died and who is now alive forever. He is called the one who faced death and overcame. Therefore, in Jesus, we can look forward to seeing our loved ones Again, in him, death and separation are not the end. Hallelujah. No wonder the New Testament, when speaking of Jesus' resurrection, sings, death, where, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Why is the judgment part of the vision of Revelation? And I want us to see what we're invited to, to behold is that the promise of redemption, 
cannot be separated from the promise to defeat evil. As Psalm 73 wonders, as he was seeing the prosperity of the wicked, is God asleep? Is anybody watching? Will the wicked get away with everything? Have I been stupid to play by the rules? Is it for nothing I have kept my heart and my hands pure? God's story of redemption cannot be separated from the promise to defeat evil. And our passage as well at the beginning invites us to sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice for the marriage of the Lamb has come. The vision is the church, the bride, clothed in white, united to Jesus, the Lamb, who was slain that we might be in union with him forever. And this vision tells us that the promises of God for us, the things that we're invited to behold, is that we will dwell with God face to face. We will be with him. That God will renew us in the image of Christ, that we will be glorified, and, and, that God will judge and cast out all sin and evil. Evil will not last forever. How else can it be that there will be no more tears and no more sorrow? God gives us this vision to interrupt and to invite us into a new way of seeing. And the first truth is that evil will not last forever. But the second one that we're invited to behold is that the final word in our lives and in all creation belongs to Jesus. Over the last couple of months, we've had an art show in our community space over on Rockwell. And last night, there was a closing reception, and the, the artist shared a number of things. And, and one thing struck me. He said that photography makes the past present. Photography makes a past moment present. Maybe some of you have Google photos, and every once in a while you get a notification, you know, five years ago today, here's these photos. But this idea that there was this past image that we can now see today. And I mention that because it helps us think about what's happening in our passage. It's a little bit flip, though. Here we're invited to see an image of the future, a vision of the future that speaks to the present. A vision of the future that speaks to the present. And so we can start by even just asking again, what is this vision of the future? And our pastor says, look, look, the heavens open. And behold, a white horse and a rider called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges, he has the final word. His eyes are like a flame of fire, nothing can be hidden from his gaze. And on his head are many diadems, indicating his unlimited sovereignty. And did you notice he has a name that no one knows but himself? A mysterious name that points to this transcendent divine nature. And he wears a robe splattered in blood. The blood not his own, but the blood of his enemies. And on his robe and thigh is written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. This writer is called the Word of God. And as elsewhere in Scripture, the Word of God is pictured as a sharp sword. Here it comes out of the writer's mouth to cut down and to reveal. And the image builds that Jesus speaks the final word over the beast and the false prophet the final word over all who cast their allegiance with them. In Revelation, the beast and the prophet are that which allure us, inviting us to seek life in a place that is not life. In particular, in Revelation, it is seeking life, the allure of economic gain above all else, of using or devouring others. Jesus has the final word, the sword out of his mouth over kings and captains, mighty ones, free and slave, small and great, over all. 
The lies of the beast lead to curse and dishonor and defeat. But Jesus, the word of God, stands forever. This is the vision that we're invited to behold, that the final word in our life and in the world around us belongs to Jesus. Here is an image of the future that speaks into the present. We're having considered this vision, we can ask, how does it speak to us today? How does it speak to us today? And I want to say a reminder that I said again in the beginning that these images do not invite us. They do not invite us to dismiss others or act with violence. Sadly, the church has failed at, this t- at points in history. I think it's right for them to hate or act in violence. But rather, the images here, they call us in the present to resist the beast, to resist that which will allure us to things that are not life, to resist it and to listen to Jesus, which is true and faithful. Words surround us. We know this. I've been, I've been talking words to you for quite some time this morning. But words surround us with emails and texts, written words, maybe Wordle. You guys playing that? Words are everywhere. And we know the significance and importance of words. The philosopher Rene Girard says that the reality is that we all listen to someone or something. We all listen to, to, to someone or something to tell us who we are, why we're here, how we're supposed to live, or who we're supposed to give ourselves to. This future vision, this vision of what is to come asks us today, who are you listening to? This vision that seems so strange with its images and symbols, it is asking you and me, who are we listening to? What distinguishes the army of the rider and the armies of the beast is who they listen to, who they trust, where they direct their allegiance, whose word tells us who we are and how it is to live. I remind you of what I mentioned in the beginning, that when the readers received revelation, this gift from God through the Apostle John, everywhere they looked and everything they heard told them that Rome was in control, that the empire was the picture of success, the one to listen to. And for the Christians who were overwhelmed and perhaps mesmerized, if not seduced by their culture, revelation proclaimed over and over and over again, Rome is not the ultimate power in your life, not ultimately in control. They do not have the final say about who you are. The alternative vision is a gift. So what about us? Maybe it's a vision that says that the stock market is not God. Or maybe it's the affirmation that our value and future does not consist of how many hours we work or how many resources we can gather. Or maybe it's the reminder that the actions of others to hurt us or even our own failures are not the final words in our lives. Hear the good news. Evil will not last forever. Hear the good news. Jesus' word his resurrection and his grace, his seeing of our sin and his welcome of us in his blood is the final word in our lives. And he, and not the beast or anything else that leads to death, he will stand above all things. Let this vision invite us to think again about how we see the world and let it invite us to resist that which leads to death. And let us give our loyalty to Jesus patiently enduring and holding on to the testimony of the one who was slain, that we might be the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. 
And thank you for your word, which is powerful and true. Let us this day receive it and let us walk in your ways by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. For the lonely and forgotten, for the weary and distressed, for the refugee and orphan, and for all who are oppressed, for the stranger who is pleading, while insulted and despised, will you God, you have not given us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of perseverance and of love. We praise you for the never-ending faithfulness as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn.
Please be seated. Well, Jesus invites us to this table that he has set for us, and it's good for us to hear, again, that, that this isn't a meal that isn't bound up with a lot of expectations, right? That to come and to eat, that you've had to be a really good person, that you've had to have to demonstrate some veneer of piety, right? No, this meal is, is rest for the weary. It's uh, filling up the drained. It is restoring the depleted. This is a meal that is making us healthy. It's making us whole. It's full of flourishing and life. And this meal is for those of us who know, who know for real, for real God's grace, his love that, that, that it cannot be shaken. And this meal is for those of us who know that their acceptance will never be thwarted. It is for those of us who know at the end of their work, there is not more work, but there is rest. It's a meal full of life and renewal. And of course, this meal is made possible in the work of Christ. All of his holiness, all of his radiance, all of his goodness, all of the ways that he makes right and whole, that he brings victory and deliverance that comes not with a sword, but in the laying down his life through his blood. It's in this sacrifice, in his death, that, 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 that death is defeated, and we are offered new life in him. And so if you believe that, if you have in repentance and faith uh, uh, received that, but uh, we ask that, that, that this meal is for you, to come and eat and be filled up. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this table. We pray that you would set it apart from a common use to a sacred and holy one, that you would come and by your spirit meet us and nourish us in our faith through this bread and wine. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the, the new covenant in my blood. For often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. Well, at this time, I wanna invite the servers to come to the rail here in the front. Um, you'll notice in our, uh, our, uh, both the bread plate and in the, the communion uh, wine plate, there will be wine on the outer rim, and then there will be a juice on the inner rim for your options, and there's also gluten-free and our regular bread options as well. As a church, we want to uh, come forward down the center aisle to receive both the elements, to go back on the side, and just to hold them so that we can eat and drink together as, uh, as one community. Um, if you're not coming to the table, uh, please do come forward, and if you put your hand across your chest, we'll uh, be the pastor, Chad, or I will offer a blessing for you. Let's come and eat.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole at a seat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Well, let's stand together to respond to our table with a prayer. Lord Jesus, you are our salvation and our hope. You save the humble, but bring low the proud. And your loving kindness is our refuge. Help us to trust in you in all our circumstances as we proclaim the mystery of faith. to join together in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue uh, our worship through the giving of gifts to, to God and to the work of the church. And so I'll go ahead and invite the, the greeters to come forward with the offering plates. Just You'll see a note here that you can give uh, an offering plate, or if you'd like to give online or, or text, you can see uh, how to do that uh, listed here. Also, I just want to say again, welcome, especially if you're visiting with us today. We're, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us. Um, a couple of reminders that after the service, we have a time of coffee and fellowship. Uh, it's, it's over at the McPherson Playground, over that direction, so if you go out the front door and kind of around the corner, there's a map in here, uh, you'll leave, you know, or you can just follow everybody, uh, but have some time of coffee and, and enjoy spending time together. A couple other just uh, reminders, if I encourage you to take a look at the last couple pages of your order, it's a list of announcements and things going on. Uh, there's some summer dates that are coming up, kind of save the dates with a cookout and kids week, so you know, make, make a note of those. And also uh, on this Wednesday at 7 o'clock, uh, the Revelation Bible study is, is meeting again, so I'll be, we'll be, I'll be leading a discussion, and if, uh, if you've been coming, come again. If you haven't come, you know, still join us. It's the 7 o'clock on Wednesday at the community space. Let's stand together and sing the doxology as we give God thanks for his generosity. Praise God from
Receive now God's blessing. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole soul and spirit and body be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen. May go in peace. Thank you.